Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to Disruptors. You are about to see an interview with the infamous Paul Gascoigne, or as he likes to be called, Gaza. In this interview, Gaza reveals everything. He talks about injunctions and harassment and phone hacking from the media, even how much money and damages he won. He ranks himself amongst the best footballers in the world. He talks about what makes him really emotional, how he handled his father's death. He reminisces a lot about how much he misses football. Spending time with his dad after his death, his addictions, his battle, his wrestle with cocaine, the millions made and lost. This is open, revealing, and there's no question that Gaza wouldn't answer. And possibly the best part is Gaza says that everybody knows Gaza, but no one knows the real Paul Gascoigne. And he talks about the different personas Gaza and Paul Gascoigne. You are going to love this. Gaza, was it important for you to be loved by the fans? Um, even just growing up at school, you know, I've gone well with everybody. I love going to school. Um, and I just think from, you know, being a footballer, um, that helped a little bit. But, you know, you talk about being loved. Um, I think it was more when I got back from the World Cup. Uh, everyone just seemed to love us, you know, apart from the press. that followed us on television and all. But, yeah, it's, it's nice to be loved, you know. Um, but I, I'm quite fortunate. I think it's because years ago, when I become a footballer, and my dad went, you're famous now. When I was only 17 or something, he says, just remember where you've effing come from. He says, never change. So I'm, I've never changed, you know. I don't like, you know, even when, when say, the Pope brings you up, what he did, you've got Gaddafi's, you've got George Clooney's, all them ring you up and that. And it just bothers. I just told them it's normal. And so, you know, I've just never changed. And I think, you know, I just... I know I'm lucky to be good with my feet, um, but I'm just like one of you, you know. I can't, I, I don't know how to change. So, you know, I just love everybody in the world, you know. I don't have any nastiness in, against anybody, you know. Um, so, yeah, it is nice, you know. And sometimes it's, I mean, I've never turned down an autograph or a, a selfie ever. And so sometimes it's hard if I'm, like, say, shopping and want to be just in and out somewhere. And getting stopped every 50 yards or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's nice to be loved. Yeah. You said you enjoyed school. A lot of people didn't enjoy school. Why did you I like loved school? It. I think because I went to a different school than me, my sister, my two sisters and brother, because of the, the football thing. But I, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I just I just loved, I loved going to school. I was all right at maths and English and environmental studies with, like, hunting and that. Um, but I just loved it, you know. Um I think it's uh, like a PE lessons. The teacher used to let me take the PE lessons. <laughs> it's brilliant. I remember he says, Paul, exams. You're not interested in exams. He says, look, I've got to do the market. He says, will you take the PE lessons? I said, okay. So it was like a, a class of about 20, but these were like posh guys with brainy. So I says, okay, lads, I'm taking the lesson today. Come on, do a warm-up. And it was a lesson for half an hour. I made them warm up for 29 minutes and played basketball for 30 seconds. Okay, finish now. Go to work. Go back to school. I mean, that was funny. But yeah, I don't know. I just loved, I loved going to school, you know. I just loved it. You know, and then obviously, I used to dribble and get me 
get my football, I used to dribble the ball all the way to school and dribble all the way back, you know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, I just, I just loved school. Were there any um, of the fans that you played for, you know, Newcastle, Spurs, England, wherever, that you loved the most and you thought loved you the most? No, you, I mean, you talk about England now, like say, for instance, I always use him as an example, like Gary Neville, he plays for England. Or he's, he's got his Man United fans. So when he got the ball, like maybe Arsenal fans can hate him, give him stick or another player. I was fortunate that when I played for England, all the fans just loved us from every club. Uh, so, you know, when you when I remember that time in the Euro 96 Holland, when he got like 90,000 and five minutes ago saying one Paul Gascoigne, I feel like crying now thinking about it. And David Plough gave us the ball and he went and saw the game, did he, Gascoigne? So was, I was lucky like that. Like, the fans give a stick during the game, but I just, I bounce back. It makes me, you know, I always say, like, you know, it may, may take 30,000 people to upset one guy, but one guy can upset 30,000 by putting the ball in the back of the net. But when the game's finished, when I go into town, and that all like, oh, God, we hated you that game because you scored, but we love you anyway. Mm. So I've been fortunate in that way. And I think it's like it's, I think it's just because I've just like never changed and not, not one of them, you know. Paul, you said to Jim Rosenthal that the press were fucking bastards. Yeah. Um, I think this was around Italia ninety. So um what were they doing to you to make you feel so like I would that? say me mum and dad's house and cars, I mean talking about six cars, just waiting, taking photos of me mum and dad, and I didn't like that. I mean dad hated it and that. I've seen him knock a few out. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, seen them out. Um, and then I was like, there was just right now, you know, it's all, it only happens in England. In America, once you're famous, you're famous for life. Anywhere else in the world, in England, it's brilliant become famous. So once you're famous, that's it. This, they're going to knock you down. So it was like loads of lies and that. They kept on writing lies about us. And, you know, I didn't like that. You know, um, people like, I remember once, I was walking up the, the, the high street once, and a woman looked at us, and they sort of nearly fainted. And I said, you all right? She went, yeah, so you've just been on in the newspapers. You died yesterday. I went, have I looked dead? She went, then I looked. I went, God, guys are dead. My phone never stops. So I've changed my number about 55,000 times. But, um, yeah, they just... They were just hounders all the time, you know, um, and wouldn't leave us alone. You know, followed us everywhere in London, wherever I went, hacking me phone. Um, I've just won more damages from them. But, um, yeah, that time, and I, just recently, well, for the last about four years ago, three years ago, there was two photographers sitting outside my house 24-7 a day, and the police wouldn't even help us. And they were leaving drink outside my door. And I'd pick up the drink and throw it in the bin, hide in the bush, the tea for which is, and say, guys, are drinking again, yeah. which it wasn't true. And then I lose work through it. But I went and put an injunction on them, you know. So some of the stuff that were writing, which upset me mum and dad as well, you know. Yeah. What, what would you say they wrote or which lie was the worst? Um, oh, God, loads of them. Um, one was when I had this job for about £30,000 and I'm waiting to, sitting in the, in the bed 
all ready to go and do this job. And about an hour later, I'm thinking, where's this guy? So I rang him up and says, where are you, mate? I says, where's he had an hour ago? He says, oh, I've just read in the papers that you're in rehab in Spain and about to die. I went, fucking hell. So I looked at the paper and said, they wrote that. So I was wow. saying, no, I'm sitting waiting for you. I lost jobs. Like, these were the jobs I was losing, you know? Yeah. So there's them sort of lies, you know, writing stuff like that. Um, was, was, wasn't very nice. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Paul, let's celebrate your football career first oh, yeah. and then maybe come back to some of that stuff. So first of all, of all how's football changed since you were a player? <laughs> stuff, I mean, when we played, I mean, it's all different. I mean, we, you know, for instance, when we when play match, all we build you all together, all the players, come on, guys, come on, let's win today, you know. You see, now our generation players now, all like going to the games with headphones on. You know, they don't talk to each other. They all listen to their own stuff, their own music. You know, and then, like, when I, when I scored, even in friend, they had to celebrate. You see, some of the England players, when they score, they don't even celebrate. And they forget these people that took three kids to the match and didn't finish the match till 10 o'clock at night at Wembley's here. And they've cost them a fortune. And the players don't even celebrate the goal. So things changed in that way. Um... Getting the money and the money you get, you get some mediocre players, which are not that very good on a hundred grand a week. And you think, wow, and there's some better kids. I mean, look at um, I seen it go, it was unbelievable. I seen it was, um, was it a pitch about 10 years ago? It was a fourth division team, and Vardy and um, Gareth Bale were on the bench for the fourth division team, and look at where they are now. Mm. You know, so there's players like that, but they're not given a chance. Mm. You know, I just think there's too many. We call it the, the English Premiership. It's not. There's not many English players in it. No. You look at all them top teams, they're all foreigners. Arsenal foreigners, Man City foreigners, Liverpool foreigners. There's not many many um, English players given the chance, opportunity, you know. And you, you think more should be? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think we're growing enough talent here? Well, you know, we've got these academy things, and I, I don't like these academies and what they are because, like, imagine being a nine-year-old and you're at the academy and you're getting told at the end of the year, look, you're not good enough at nine years of age. Mm. And, like, the kids are not too bad. It's the parents. It destroys the parents. Think, well, he's only nine. And so these, some of these kids then get disheartened and then just didn't want to play football anymore. But mm. when I played... It was like two jumpers at goals and, you know, just kicking a ball about, a tennis ball. Um, and then obviously, you get a lot, of, a lot of the players, like, refuse to do autographs for people. Mm -hmm. I didn't like doing that, saying that, or selfies. No, I'm busy. I'm busy. It really winds me up, you know. Mm -hmm. So a lot a lot has changed, mm -hmm. you know. I think some of the, a lot of players are more big-headed than... They should be, I think, they're better than what they actually are, you know. What do you think makes them big-headed? I think the, the money they're getting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The money they're getting and all that. But they've got to be careful because they will get the up and comes by the press. will eventually just nail them. Mm -hmm. You know, they've nailed a few. Um, it's just how you handle it, you know. I didn't handle some of the stuff very well. You know, obviously ended up in treatment a couple of times. 
but I've been all right for a long time now. Um, just trying, just, just, just trying to do the things I like doing, like fly fishing. I took up golf, which I'm not too bad at, and tennis. So I've got eight trophies for tennis, eight for badminton, eight for table tennis, even one for a temping bowl. And so I love my sports stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, I still miss. I still think I'm playing now, but obviously I'm getting on a little bit. But <laughs> I miss football really badly. Mm. I can't watch it anymore. Really? Yeah. And it was so funny. I was at the garage yesterday getting some sweets and putting powder in for Katie. And the guy comes up and he says, he says, I hold you, you think he's going to win the league then? So I went to him. So funny. I went, I'm not. I says, didn't really watch football. I says, who's top of the league at the moment? And he just looked at it. He went, what? I went, who's top of the league? And when the league hasn't started yet, I went, oh, shit. Sorry, mate. And I walked off. And I went, has the league not started yet? I said, who won the league then? He went, Man City. He went, oh, did they? All right. And as I left it, he walked away. The guy was so, I'm sure he didn't go through what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I find it hard to watch. Why? Or some, just because I miss it. Right. I see, like, bad players and, that, and they didn't really give a and then sometimes I went to the game and I leave after 20 minutes. I think, oh, I can't watch this. Fucking crap. Mm. And this is pretending I'm going to the toilet next thing. I'm ordered the taxi, jump in the taxi, away. <laughs> Where are you, Gazza? I'm just, um, just at the toilet still. You've been away 45 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm in the house. Yes. But I've, I've talked to Katie and her husband and her little sons to have a couple of games, Man United, he likes. Yeah. And so likes Liverpool to talk to them and that to a few games, which is right. I get to see Brian Robson and stuff like that. Because mm. when I played football, I didn't really mix with the footballers. I just stuck with my mates, you know, which sometimes was a good thing and sometimes it wasn't a good thing. But, um, yeah, but now and again, I text them. I guess it was good to see Dave Seaman again. Mm. had a good laugh. Talking about the, the old times of you were in 96 and that, you know. Mm. And why didn't you really mix with the footballers? Um... Because they, they couldn't keep up with me in the pubs. <laughs> Paul Merson <laughs> could, couldn't he? Yeah, I was all right. Yeah, we've so seen because, Paul in a few weeks. <laughs> it was so funny because I just say, I don't know how, why, but to see one football, I want to go with another football and go out clubbing or whatever. A girlfriend said, no, you're not going out with me. But any of the guys that wanted to go out with me, the wife said, go, go on, go, give my gas up. Because they knew... If we were messing about with a girl, the paparazzi would be there taking the photo and they'll get nailed. <laughs> so they, they said, well, I'm going out with you, Gaza. So we're going to get followed by the press. I says, come on, we'll be all right. No. I says, because if a girl comes up and starts talking of us and the fucking press taking the photo, I'm in trouble and I'm going to get divorced. I went, okay, leave it. <laughs> yeah, so the boys, the players go with me. It's a mad thing to do. But yeah, I'm not just... I think because I've seen them every day for training, you know, morning, morning, night, and then obviously on a Saturday. So Sonia used to just go to the local pub and play darts with a couple of mates in pool, mm. you know, or the working men's club, playing dominoes with the old fellas. I used to love that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's me, you know. Mm. Yeah. Who would you say is the best player you've ever played against? Brian Robson. Really? Oh, yeah, I just call him, I call him dog shit because he was everywhere on the pitch. <laughs> best player I played with and best player against. What a player. I mean, he come back from three broken legs. 
broken collarbone. And it was just when I played for England, first game, and he went, Gazza, listen, I'm getting on a little bit. You're starting your career with England. Let me go for all the challenges in the air. I'll take the cuts and all that. This isn't any challenges. I'll do the challenges for you. You just get the ball and do the rest. For somebody like that as an England captain and an idol and a legend, to say that to me was fantastic, you know. Mm. So I remember when I was 17, I played against Man United and then they got a penalty and Brian Robson scored the penalty and he walked past us and I went, great penalty, Brian. And he went, you fucking idiot. What are you talking about? You get beat one, did not <laughs> I went, yeah, but you're my hero. So, yeah, I've, I've met him, I've seen him a few times, he always texts us, see how I am. Mm. I went, he's, he's um, what's called, in the theatre, but his lifestyle was incredible. Yeah. What a player. Mm. Energy as well. What, you know, box to box, incredible. And his timing was fantastic, but yeah, what a player. Mm. You ask anybody. Phew. Which modern footballer do you think is most like you and why? Well, nobody really. No one's ever, ever going to be like me, but <laughs> they said Grealish, but nah, you, I, I'd be Grealish playing forward. But a Grealish is, is going to be a good player. He always wants to be in the ball, which is good. What he's got to do is tidy up a little bit. He plays with where his socks, where he wears his socks. Looks smart. You look smart, you play smart, mm. you know. Um, but he's, he's a good player. He's doing well. We've got Rashford. I like Rashford. Yeah. You know, they've got a couple... Gareth Bale's lucky. Well, he's not lucky, but he's um he's ended up being like you know like Man United when the world hadn't really won anything, and all of a sudden they bring on Becks, Scholes, Butts, Giggs, Nevilles, all like that. So all of a sudden Gareth Bale's got all these class young players, and he's he's brave enough to give them a chance. Just got to make sure they don't take the advantage of it, mm. and you know, and think I'm playing for England, yeah. Yeah. You know, which a couple of them have dropped themselves in it and end up like in trouble of, you know, got girls around the rooms and stuff like that, mm. which is disrespectful. Yeah. They're actually calling um, Phil Foden um, the new Gaza. Yeah. What do you think about that? He's a good player. He won't be the new Gaza, but he can be <laughs> Phil Foden. But he's a good player, though, to be fair. Yeah. I like him. He's good. His, his energy is incredible. Yeah. And he, what's called. He is a bit like me in regards um, fearless. He is frightened to take on people. You know, you see a lot of players that are frightened. All they do is pass the ball and said, go for it and try. He goes for it and gives mm. us a go. Yeah. I like him. He's a good player. I, really, I don't know who's going to be the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> on this show, we've had John Barnes, Matt Letizia, Paul Merson coming up and Paul Gascoigne. How would you rank those four, first to fourth? Who was it? One. So John Barnes, Matt Letizia, Paul Merson, and Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne first, then John Barnes. And then, I mean, it's a mix up between Matt and Letizia. Some of the goals he scored was incredible. But Merson was class as well, you know, especially. But me and him have own problems when we finished playing in that. But Merson, I played with him. We both won the Premiership uh, for Middlesbrough, winning the league to get into the Premiership. Um, but Mercer's had his problems as well. But Matt Letizia scored some incredible goals, so I'll, I'll put them both on level par together. Mm. But Mercer was a, a great player. But John Barnes, maybe in John Barnes, Barnes was incredible. Wow, both feet. I remember when he obviously played for Watford, and I thought he's a good player. Him, 
And then I watched him. I was first holiday. It was in Greece, and it was in nineteen eighty six World Cup. And John Bonds was beating all them Brazilians and all that. And I thought, wow, not knowing four years later, I'm going to be playing with him in the World Cup. You never think of that. And I was yeah. thinking, I'm lovely playing the World Cup. And then obviously he signed for Liverpool. He just destroyed players, both feet as well. Mm. Great, unbelievable player. Mm. You know. Do you, yeah. think, do you think he fulfilled his England potential, John Barnes? Well, I felt sorry for him because you get with England, you get to a certain stage and eventually when you're getting older a little bit, then he started getting, all fans were against him and that, and I think he got him down a little bit, you know. Mm. But he was brilliant with me, but he used to fucking wind me up. <laughs> yeah, because of fucking, I was like, I hadn't won any medals. He's won fucking everything with Liverpool and that. And the FA Cups and that. And I was saying, John, what are you talking about football fucking for? This was like in the World Cup thing. I said, I'm playing in a minute, man. He went, how many medals you got? I fucking not on. Anyway, that's okay. I says, how much money you got in your bank account? <laughs> they just laugh. <laughs> but yeah, John Bonds, he was, he was just quality, you know? Yeah. Was, um, yeah. You get before him. Yeah, he's going to be good. These, these kids, they're only still young, you know? A lot of players don't come into the prime, become absolute class when till about twenty seven. I was mm. fortunate, twenty three, but I was better even when I was this younger, you know. But I and the World Cup, I had the opportunity. Imagine my my squad: fucking you know, Peter Shilton, Terry Butcher, Stuart Pearce, Des Walker, John Barnes, Chris Water, Peter Beasy, Brian Osborne, Gary Lineker. That's a team. And then I thought, wow, playing with these guys now. And then they, they encouraged us. I was quite fortunate to be with all them who were all 27, 28 in the prime. So all I, all I had to do was just enjoy my football, you know. Mm. We've talked a lot about young players coming through. Mm. You came through young, 17, I think, didn't you? Yeah, 16 off when I first played my game, but wow. just under 17, I got, yeah, I remember, was it called? Played first game was Liverpool. I got 10 out of 10 man in the match. Then it was Man United. And um, that's when I started to want to say after that game, I got man a match. Then the next game was Tottenham. I scored two, got man a match. And I remember going back home and I went, Dad, when are you going to fucking come and watch us play? He went, when you made it, son. You haven't fucking made it yet. And I went, fuck you, then, okay. She says, just make sure you keep on playing well. Mm. And then I thought, fucking, that, that always stuck with us, you know. Yeah. You haven't made it yet, son. I thought, fuck me, I'm just 17. I've just got three man of the matches against the three top teams in the country. And he says, you've made it yet, son. When you've made it, I'll come watch you. <laughs> what advice would you give to young players coming up then who've got talent? Just, you know, if you any knockbacks, because it's cool, just keep playing with a smile on your face and just work, keep working hard, you know, and eventually something will click. Mm. You know, someone will say something, because I, I remember I was like, I knew I was good at 16. I was saying for Newcastle, you know, 16 and a half and that. And uh, I used to mess about a little bit. And we got manager of Jack Tolton. And he says, you, come on, I want a word with you. And he says, uh, he says I've heard you're a good player. I says, I am. He says, yeah. He says, well, lose some weight, you fat bastard. Otherwise, he says, how long have you got your contract? I said, two years. He went, you got two weeks if I pass and lose some weight. He made me train at night time as well. And then we got me, 
give me feathered steaks and that. And within half an hour, I mean, within 10 days, two weeks or something, I was captain of the youth team, scored two in the cup, youth for claim, captain of the reserves, and then wanted us to play in the first team. And I, I panicked. I was just on the 17, he says, I play tomorrow for the first team against, um, I think it was Norwich, I think. He says, no, no. He says, I don't want to, I want to go back with the lads. Because I remember I scored two with Watford, and I'm sitting in the bath with the trophy, singing away. And all of a sudden, I get a tap on my shoulder. I said, what the fuck is this? And I turn around, Elton John. He says, well played, son, you're a good player. So I said, start saying, Elton, give us a song. Elton, Elton, he got all embarrassed and left. <laughs> so I'm like, in the trophy, the bath, I thought, that's fucking Elton John. He says, wow. So that's when I first really started like that. I've been friends with him since. Mm. And, yeah, so, you know, so, so you just sometimes just need that, sometimes a kick up the arse or whatever. But if you work hard, you know, eventually things will click. Mm. And I just tell kids, it doesn't matter how many knockbacks you get, just keep on hanging in because you just never know. Peter Beasley, for instance, knockbacking in from Man United and stuff. He didn't come... Charlie Tolland didn't become a professional, I think, really that much till he was 26. Wow. Chris Waddle, working in a sausage factory, didn't stop playing until he was first team, till he was 22 or something. And he worked in a sausage factory, so look at where he ended up. Mm. Marseille, like in World Cups, you know, you get, and then Jack Tolland, you got players like that. It's just, you just need one, one day, just something clicks, so it's just stick in and just wait, and something will happen. Mm. Where would you rank yourself among England's best ever players? Best. Best? Yeah. Even better than best. <laughs> yeah, well, we were good in the pub together. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. No, with England, I don't know. I'm just, I always, you know, I always tell myself, yeah, I was, and I was a world-class player, but I think if I had a little bit of Brian Robson inside of us, a little bit of Peter Beasley, a little bit of Chris Waddle, I'd say, wow, I'd be like the ultimate player. Mm. Well, I'm happy the way I was, you know. When you got like the likes of Pelly going to the newspaper to see me, Gaza, captain of England, or you got Maradona saying, Gaza, me, Gaza, you're you, you captain, you know. Um, that gives you a bit of a buzz. Mm. Um, so it's stuff like that when you get players as good as them um, praising you and everything. I remember Platini once, we were playing against France for England. And Platini's watching the game. And he went, he says, Cousin, can I buy your shirt, please, for my son? He says, yeah, no problem. So I signed it. And I went, there you are. And he went, I don't really like you as a player, but my son does. I don't know why he fucked off on my shirt. <laughs> I fucking wanted to get my shirt back so bastard. I went, bastard. Well, yeah, he's a, but, you know, that was him. But yeah, when you get people like that, and then want to play against you and stuff like that. It's, it, it is nice, mm. you know, and then you know you're not bad. If you meet, like Dave Simon yesterday, everyone, everyone that does an interview or talk to, you say, who's the best player you've ever, ever played with? And all say me, and that's really nice of me, you know, wow. for them to come out and say that. Yeah. So I'm quite fortunate in that way, but I don't let it get to us. I just said, no, nah, I was all right. I wasn't bad. Which I knew I was fucking brilliant. <laughs> 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 I have played against a kid once in Scotland and he said he's going to beat me all over the pitch and I met him in the tunnel and I said you fucking daft bastard he said why don't you worst nightmare I went on the pitch I scored two within ten minutes five minutes ago I put the ball through his legs he tried to kick as he got sent off 
game finished. I took my boots off, walked into their dressing room, and I says, yeah, there's a pair of boots for you. One day you fucking play like that. And it's just, just got so embarrassed. Everyone, all the players, they, his players start laughing. And I walked out. I seen him about, it was last year. He said, I've still got their boots because I fucked me. He destroyed his hat. He said, I've never said anything more about that. Because when I said, I'm going to mark you out the game, he says, you pissed all over us. <laughs> I says, that was just a warm-up. <laughs> Gaza, when you moved from Spurs to Lazio, because you were in really prime at Spurs. Did you actually want to go? Um, it was Terry Venables because he said, look at ball. I was top-class manager and I've been offered managers' jobs here and there, but opportunity to work abroad, the experience. And he says, you know, it's, it's up to you if you want to go, but you can stay, but if you want to go, it'll be a great experience. And so I thought, well, I'll think about it. Then when I went to the papers and that and TV, guys, I might be saying for Lazio, and I seen the fans and I went, wow. I thought, that's all right, that sounds all right. And and because I was getting, after the World Cup at Spurs, I was getting hounded like mad with the press and I thought, I'll get away from it and go to Italy. I get worse. The photographers, God almighty, thousands and all the fans were crazy. But then, Unfortunately for me, after three months, I broke my fibula and tibia, so I missed a year and a bit. And then I got fit again. And then Dina's office, the manager, he loved his number, changed managers, and this guy I didn't really like. And that, and um, none of the players liked him, so the opportunity to slide for Glasgow Rangers. But yeah, I enjoyed Lazio. Um, it was, sometimes it was strict with regards to like, the president would come in and say, You've lost the last two games. He says, you lose the next one. I'm not paying you for six months. And we got beat, didn't pay for six months. Really? You see the captain, when we getting paid? He just got wait. Wow. Yeah. And then he'd come in one day and he'd say, right then, I've got six games. He says, I've got six games now. Well, it was seven games. He says, 14 points, I'll give you 70 grand each. 13 points, I'll give you 60 grand each. 12 points, I'll give you 50. 11 points, 40. 10 points, nothing. 9 points, I'm fine you 10 grand. 8 points, I'm fine you 10 we got fucking. So luckily enough, I scored to make it on level. So we didn't make any money or lose. I scored against AC Milan. Yeah, all the lads were all jumping off, kidding about getting fucking, we're getting paid now, Gaza. <laughs> I used to laugh, I figured that's what it was like in Italy. Yeah. And I couldn't move anywhere, but the fans still love us now, you know, they still sing my name. Um, yeah, I remember I left Lazio and I'd been away for about five or six years. I thought I'll go over for a holiday on my own. And I flew over there. I was getting pestered down a little bit, so I went, fuck this. I run a taxi. And I went in the countryside, it was 15 minutes away. And I just seen this little Caddyshack pub thing, a little bar. And no one in there, just a guy that obviously owned it or whatever. I said, can I have a beer, please? And he went, you're Gascoigne. I went, no, I'm not. He went, you're Gascoigne. I went, I'm not. And I looked behind him, there's a fucking big picture of me on the wall. And I went, he went, it is you. And he shot off and I seen him on the floor. I went, oh, no. And less than within 50 minutes, 10,000 fans turned up. That's it. I had to just get a taxi, get ring up the ex-bodyguards, get a taxi and go back to England. I thought, God, I can't even go anywhere. 
and that was six years after I leave them. So wow, yeah, they loved us. So I was fortunate, even their Roma fans. Mm. You know, scoring that goal as well in front of a hundred thousand people. So that yeah. was a nice feeling. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was an experience. I remember I'm um, watching all the documentaries on you, and when you went to Italy. I've never seen anything like it in terms of a whole stadium waiting for you and people having to fight people <laughs> off and you running through the airport. Yeah, I, I mean, what was that like? I don't know. It was weird, fucking scary at first. I didn't expect that. Because I remember this one kid trying to be funny. He was like supposed to be Gaza Luckily. And he went over there and he fucking come back within the next day. Shit, he said, went, oh, good, good luck to Gaza. And um, when I seen it, luckily I've had a couple of bodyguards. Then me and my dad got in the car for two mean bodyguards. And there was a bulletproof car, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, bulletproof. And the fans were just going mad, and I'm thinking, wow. And then I remember going into the dad hotel room, and I'm in another hotel room in the same corridor. So I said, Dad, this is just, uh, I'll just come along and see you. Okay, I opened up the door and there's a fucking guy outside my door. Now with a gun. I went, fucking hell. I shut the door and I went, Dad, anybody outside your door? So yeah, I just said, that was it. He went, there's some cunt with a fucking gun outside my door. So I looked outside the patio. I had, this, I had 22 bodyguards. My ex-bodyguards were for George Coney now, hiding in the trees, sitting in the trees with guns all waiting for them. Waiting for us just to make sure I'm okay in security. And I, I thought, this is not me. That's going to bring in attention. So I get the main bodyguard. I says, get his all together, please. I says, I'll meet his all downstairs, 22 years. I says, come on, Dad, watch this. And I, I, I got them all pissed. <laughs> Proper fucking drunk. I says, just wear casual stuff. It's normal now. One was in the mo- found in the morning in a women's toilet with his gun on his chest like that. <laughs> Pissed. <laughs> One was hanging from a tree, pissed. You know, my dad went, look, oh, I fucking done them. But they, they respect us for that, you know? Mm. And I, I used to hang around them as just friends. So just be friends now, you know? Mm. But Johnny, the main one, who was the captain, he's, because um, Monia Paul was the owner of Lazio at that time. And he um, he was the main captain. And he was, uh, me and him become really good friends, you know? Yeah. Really close to him all the time. He'd take us wherever I wanted to go and make sure I was in town and that. Look after us. But he loved it. Yeah. He fucking loved it. He went, God almighty. He says, we were expecting somebody like you to be right bastard and not talk to her and everything. He says, you're fucking completely different. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a good crack with that. Mm. But then it was just like, that new manager, Zem, he was like, not very good. I didn't like him. Yeah. So it was just t- time to move on, you know. Mm. When you left English football, um, this was a quote from you. It says, no one understands how you feel and no one knows what it's like. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yeah, I was, you know, um, when I come back from the World Cup and that, it was like getting, like I'd say something like, oh, you know what, I might take up guitar lessons. Next thing I'll wake up in the morning, there's fucking two guitars outside of me door. Uh, I'm a fancy dicky bow. And I said, there's a rack of dicky bows in clothes outside my door. Whatever I said, anything, it was just arriving. And there was posters, it was opening this, opening that. 
and I didn't mind it. And then all of a sudden, the press started to have to go. And I remember they said, Gaz is not interested in football anymore. He's just too interested in opening shops. Two days later, I scored four goals against Peter Schilt, three goals against Peter Shelton, four goals in another game, three in the other. And I went, yeah, I think we've got it wrong, yeah. But um, now as people know, people know Gaza. Not many people know Paul Gascoigne, you know, but sometimes I think, right, I'm going to be Paul Gascoigne, you know. It's like, I don't like that side of it. It's like being serious, and I don't like being serious, you know. I think the world's already serious and fucking enough without want to be involved in some of this stuff, so and you know, everyone wants to see Gaza more than anything else. What is excuse me, what is the difference between Gaza and Paul Gascoigne? Paul Gascoigne's a bit more sensible than Gaza, I think. You know, but I don't even know it's like being Paul Gascoigne anymore. I think the only one that calls me Paul is me fucking bam. Like, people are walking on the street and say, Paul, I just keep on walking. Oh sorry, Gaza. Oh sorry, yeah, what do you want? So yeah, it's, it's, you know, just poor Gaston is just like, when I like want to be sensible, and like if I'm doing it, like a meeting or something, like a contract or whatever, I'll put the poor Gaston ahead and make sure I'm clued in. I like, I write down everything, everything to do, and just in case I have a drink or relapse, at least I've already written it down. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I get like contracts or something big coming up and that, um, just on big contracts and that, I'll just, just, Fucking pretend I'm sensible, yeah, and just leave it to me. Like, you fucking got that? Listen a bit, right? Let me know. Just let me know the fucking day I've got to be there. <laughs> and then that's when the Gaza comes straight back. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the media and all the fans across the world almost created Gaza, or did you create Gaza? Well, my dad was. It was called. My dad was called Gaza with a double S. And our coach, when I was younger, he was from Sunderland. And he said Gaza, and come with Zeds, so they put doing Gaza, and I want to be called like my dad's nickname, Gaza, but it was Gaza. I remember going to Barbados for holiday once, and we went into the town, me and my ex-wife and that, and it was like Caddyshacks, and my fucking name was all over the place, in the in the fucking the roughest place in Barbados ever, Gaza, 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 I went, fucking hell. And then, what's going on, I was watching the movie the other day, so funny, um, I thought, I'm watching this movie, and there was a black guy, somebody out, and he looked the worst for weather. And then in the fucking movie, this guy went, God, you look as bad as Gaza, you do. And I went, hold on, I fucking remained back. And I went, Jesus Christ, fucking bastard just said, I look the worst as Gaza. Fucking. <laughs> so I just started laughing at me, and I went, I fucking just got messing in the movie there for no fucking reason, I'm doing nothing. Well, yeah, it was good. I remember once I was in London. I went down to the wine bar in the in the hotel about eleven thirty or something. That's for a glass of wine. Someone said, "She says, I'm going to have an autograph. I want you, no problem." He says, "That's the second famous person today." I says, "Who's the other one?" She's behind you. And I looked. It was Dustin Hoffman. And I've just been watching the night before. Meet the fuckers. <laughs> So I went, fuck, I haven't got to go up or see him. So I just went up and I said, Dustin, yeah, there's a glass of champagne. And he was with his daughter. I says, what's your name? I says, well, poor Gasling, but they called me Gaza. He went, oh, you're that mad fucker, aren't you? I says, I used to be. He says, what was it like on that cocaine? I says, that was years ago. I got sex for 11 days. He says, let's me and you go for a game of tennis at my house. I went, no, I'm busy. Fuck that. <laughs> that shot off. 
Jesus, you're that mad fucker, aren't you? <laughs> what was it like being the richest player in the world? Because at one point, I think you were. Yeah, yeah. I got the same with lads on. You know, I was like on 100 grand a month. You know, I'm not, you're talking about fucking, well, 30 fucking two years ago. You know, it was 100 grand a month. And the road gives a check for two million. And then I was getting endorsements at left, right, and setting on contracts for five hundred. So, and I give most, I put most away. And then I, well, I decided to buy all my family a house each, and a car each, and bought them all a holiday and that. And it was okay, you know. Um, and you just sometimes think it's never end, but literally, you get a hundred grand a month, but you tax sixty, so it's left for forty. So I give mum and dad five each. My next wife, 10 for maintenance, 10 for the rent of the place. So I left myself a 10 grand a month, and that, which I did, were trained twice a day, so I didn't really need to do anything. And I used to just go out and just buy jewelry, which is all in the bank somewhere in Bradford. Loads of jewelry I bought, and I just put that in the will for my nephews and that. So then obviously I got divorced and sort of went downhill a little bit. And then all of a sudden, just everything starts coming back now, plenty of work on. Got back to the. You know, just got payments from newspapers and deals, and Katie's done magnificent for us, you know, really well. So now I'm back on the up, mm. um, more than happy. Um, you know, I'm enjoying, I'm trying to enjoy the life as much as I can. Uh, these venues are good because, you know, I miss, I miss the fans. And so, you know, doing these venues, you get to see them like yesterday with 600 people doing about 300 selfies and that. And so, it's like being amongst fans again, mm. and they love it. And I just, I just fucking tell them about all the mad stuff. And then eventually, I said, I did play football as well. And I just to let you fucking know that. I was also start laughing. And then I tell them, say, thanks for turning up. I says, because I miss, I miss me football. Mm. I miss the fans because I used to entertain the fans. You know, I always remember Gladiator entertain the fans, and you win them over. And that's that's all I was thinking about that. You know. Mm. Um. So these venues, something was good and sometimes I get emotional and thinking, God, I fucking I used to play in front of like a hundred thousand people and that. So you miss that side of it, but when you get like turn the people that turn up to see is not and uh, the amount of hugs and they give you you know that well, was not long ago. I was I was in Sainsbury's, was it? Yeah, Sainsbury's. And I'm walking down the aisle and this bloke is with two with his two proper grown bloke, he was two kids. One was six, and the other one was four, something around about that age. He comes up, he starts crying his eyes out, and went on his knees and crying, proper crying. Right now, his mate, fucking get him, please. The kids think I fucking hate you. And he went, I love you so much. That I went, he said, the kids, you don't know who he is. The kids were still in his ball bag when I was playing. <laughs> and I went, stop crying, please. I think the kids think I fucking hate you. He went, you're fucking my hero. Oh. And so I was like, I, I get a lot of that. Mm. And these venues get a lot of people crying and that. You know, mm. so happy. So that gives you a buzz. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, I used to get this week in and week out. And something I never took advantage of, you just never think of it. So when you're like, when you finish playing, you think, wow. You know, it's like, I didn't realise, it was only like, the World Cup semi-final, we're playing at the stadium at Roma, the Roma Stadium. Now, I'm, that was in the semi-final, incredible. Now, I've seen for Lazio, and that's our home ground. 
And it was only like, you take advantage of it. And it's only like when I left and I looked at it and I thought, fuck me, I used to play there every week. So, you, you know, you, you never think that. You know, and you think, God, look at that stadium. I played there every fucking week. Well, every other week. And scored in front of 100,000 and stuff like that, you know. And mm. um, so it's stuff like that, that. That's what I would give kids to experience if they wanted any experience or everything. It's like, just take every day is is their last day. And Glenn Rora, he passed away, bless him, but he always said to me, you know, Enjoy every day. He says, because before you know it, your career's over. And, you know, and he was right. I remember Ken Dagley saying, look, Paul, plan three years before you're going to quit, when you know you're going to quit playing. Three years beforehand, plan what you're going to do when you finish playing. So I went, okay. And I think, well, fuck, I've still got three years. I'll wait. And I've still got two years. Next thing, I'm fucking not playing anymore. I thought, fuck, should have remembered what Kenny Dagley says. What do I do now? I said, I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll get pissed and go to fucking rehab. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, you just, I tell young kids, every time they play or train, treat it as the last game, treat it as the last training session, because you just never, never know, mm. you know? You just never, never know. I've seen loads of kids, brilliant players, eventually getting injured. I was fortunate, you know, I got the, People that quit playing because the ligaments, I was a good surgeon, put my ligaments right. And then but three months later, I got punched in the jaw and broke my kneecap, half my kneecap was there. I put that right. And then I come back from that. And then three, quick, and three months later, I broke my fibula and tibia, which he fixed that. And then they get back playing as good as I did, especially for the end, getting man and match against AC Milan and then Rangers and destroying players like that. So I was lucky enough, Mr. Brown had a, a great surgeon, you know, because mm. it gets some players, unfortunately, can't play anymore. Yeah. You know? And how do you get over and recover from big injuries that put you out for a year? Just because I, I had nothing else, you know, and I was I had nothing, I, I loved woodwork. I liked the woodwork, but I thought, I've got nothing else. Um, I love my football. Listen, you're going to have to fucking graft your nuts up for nine months and it's hard because you're training on your own. And when everyone's finished training, you're looking outside when you're working in the gym, trying to get fit and get your muscles back, watching them all enjoy themselves and think, all right, just another day. And I just took it as I never thought of it. In one month's time, I'm going to be okay. I just said, fucking keep it in the day. Right, today I'm finished. Tomorrow, let's start again. Next day, right, come on, keep on going. And eventually, it just, it just fits you. Next thing I know, I'm fucking back, back playing again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and I, you know, I missed four years of football because of these injuries in four years. I've got 57 caps for England. I would have made 100. So missing four years was quite hard. Um, but, yeah, you know, when you get injured like that, just because I've had so many... You know, I've had like two broken noses, broken cheekbone, um, broken neck, got metal hip in, six broken arms, um, broken kneecap, ligaments, broken fibula, tibia, ankle. So quite a few operations, <laughs> you know. But uh, you just got to fucking say, right, and, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't know anything else, not for football, so it's up to you. You either fucking walk away or you fucking graft. 
Mm. And I thought, right, then I, I want I want the buzz again playing in front of the fans. So I just worked and worked and worked, you know. Yeah. You said earlier sometimes you get emotional. So what is that emotion? What makes you emotional? You know, just the love for the fans that I give us. You know, I don't have any animosity against anybody. And it's like when you say emotional, when you get these people coming up and crying and kissing you and hugging you, it can be emotional, you know, especially when you think, God, they're giving us all this love and I kind of fucking go and show them what I can do and make them happy on the paper. But just being there makes them happy and just seeing them coming up and being so nice to you and that. You can get, it can get to you a little bit. Mm. It can be too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's nicer, but it can be too much. Mm. Just emotional in that way, really. Yeah. So you famously turned down Man United. So why did you turn down Man United? And what do you think of Alex Ferguson? One of the best in the world. You know, I like... Like when you see the likes of Pelly and Maradona and Jan Cruyff and that, I think, right, I can be as good as them. Definitely. So I knew it was a player I could be good as them. But when you say I want to be a manager, <coughs> how are you going to, how can anyone be as good as Alex Ferguson? So, but I turned out Man United, I think it was more than just because the Spurs offered my mum and dad a house for 120 grand and then my dad a car and my sister some bed. Um, <laughs> and then at that time, Spurs were better than Man United. You know, they're much better than Man United. Yeah. It was only till I signed for Spurs a year later, that's when Fergie brought on Becks, scored and they start winning everything. So you think, wow. But then when I was at Lazio, when I was leaving, I did speak to Alex Ferguson. Um, he says, look, I'm, I'm going to leave. Do you want to sign us? He says, well, look at Paul. I said, I had the chance, he had the chance once. He said, I've got Eric Cantona. now. If he goes, I'll, um, I'll, I'll sign you. If he stays, then obviously I don't need another player like him. So Eric Cantona stayed. You know, but um, I don't know. Sometimes you think, well, well, but Terry Venables was a great manager, you know. You ask any of the England players that worked with him. <coughs> but sometimes you think, I wonder what it'd be like if I'd have signed for Man United. Because, you're like, when I went to a couple of the games there and seen the fans, it's incredible. And what, what some of the players have been there and achieved, you know. Mm. But for me, it's like the Spurs fans were fantastic. And I couldn't do anything wrong. They, they loved us even now, you know. When I played that charity game, all the fans stood up and waited for us going on the pitch and out of that charity game. So I'm, I'm well-loved at Spurs, you know. Even the Man United, when I get there, they're all, all singing one poor gas going. It's like, wow, the fans are singing that, that the Man United had the chance. And it's like, so now I seen him not long ago, Alice Ferguson, he's 82. I was at the game, this was last year. And he says, poor Alice Ferguson, what's to say? And I went, oh, fuck, yeah, we'll go again. And he went, how are you doing? I says, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. He went, you bastard. He says, he's fucking, why did you not say for me when you had the chance? He says, no one fucking ever lets me down. <laughs> I went, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I says, but thanks for the watch you gave us. He went, yeah, you're fucking, I only give 11 out. He says, I'll give you one. <laughs> he says, you're some fucking player, though, son. He says, anyway, you keep busy. I went, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. I was still fucking in awe, just looking at him, going, fuck, I'm not a manager. You know, mm. what he achieved. I watched these being a manager. 
Yeah, Alice Ferguson and being the man, so, wow, what a fucking documentary that is. Mm. Incredible. Talk no shit as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I reckon I would have got a few fucking Balkans of them, definitely. But, you know, I still, still would have been the same player. You know, as Terry Brown said, you change Paul Gaskell and you change his football. Just let him do what he wants. Mm. Just got to make sure you just keep on top of him, though, if he gets out of, out of hand a little bit. Which did happen a few times. And <laughs> were strong managers who wouldn't mind kind of putting you in check, were they good for you, would you say? Yeah, yeah if I knew what, but they didn't have to tell us I was, did something wrong because I knew I was doing something wrong. Um, so they didn't really have to tell us. They just says, we know what you're doing, don't worry. She says, we'll just fucking bring you in on Sunday and run the bollocks off you. Which I've had that happen a couple of times. Where the lads have just lied in after the game Saturday, I've had to fucking get up on a Sunday, eight o'clock in the morning, meet the fucking coach and just run the bollocks off us till I was on my knees being sick. Okay, I'm sorry, it wouldn't happen again. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, you get like they say Rangers, Wallace Smith and Archie Knox. Wallace gives a bollock and Archie be nice to us. And Archie gives a bollock and Wallace be nice and I thought, fuck me, where do I stand yeah? So they were just making sure they were keeping us on check, you know. Mm. So yeah, all the man's I played for, they all loved this. Yeah, you know, I never, I never let any of them down. Always performed on the pitch, and the fans. Mm. You know, so I didn't let anyone down. When I come to the football, I didn't let anyone down. You know, because yeah. I always looked at like at ninety minutes on that pitch. That was my, that was my freedom. I could do what I wanted for ninety minutes. So any problems I had going on the pitch went away for ninety minutes. I thought, right then, I can enjoy myself now. This is my home, you know. So I fucking just used to just play and enjoy it mm. and just get get on the ball as much as possible because I knew after the game any problems I had regards paparazzi or whatever, they've just come back again. So yeah, that's why I love training so much. If you ask any of the managers or coaches, I've never seen any of the guys as one of the hardest trainers I've ever seen in my life. I just loved it. Mm. And I usually had to be training for a quarter to ten whatever, 10 o'clock. I'd go to 8 o'clock and I'd play, be playing head tennis with the ground staff with wellies on. Yeah, just for an hour and a half, just to fucking then after training, they all finish. I'd stay behind and play head tennis with them again until about five, in, 5 at night. Yeah. And the gaffer said, go fucking home now. I said, in a minute, man, I'm winning this game again. He says, only fucking ground staff with wellies on. They were good though. <laughs> Looking back, would you regard your uh, career as a success? Yeah, 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 shut up, doubt. You know, listen, and whatever the press is, was the highest transferred player from um, Newcastle to Spurs, the highest from Spurs to Lazio, the highest from Lazio to Rangers, the highest from Rangers to Middlesbrough, the highest from Middlesbrough to Everton as transfers. So for the, so a very bad player to get. One of the most expensive players ever. Mm. Yeah, people don't pay that much money for, to buy a player if you're yeah. shit, you know. So yeah. for me, I was success. It was only after I finished playing that a few times I put myself, went down the rails a little bit. Um, did, I had no, no one to blame but myself, you know, but I quickly pulled myself around in that. And then obviously I, I, I just trying. I don't look at I don't think about tomorrow. I just concentrate on today, you know. As long as I like, as long as in the next hour, as long as I don't have a drink or whatever. Um, I know what's ahead of us. 
plan for everything. Right, I'm going to do this and do that, but I don't plan too far ahead because if it goes wrong, uh, I get myself down about it. Yeah. So I just wait and just make sure everything's okay. I always look after my family now. Yeah. When was your last relapse? Oh, ages ago. Yeah, ages ago. And I've been sober for five years. Been yeah. sober for four years, five years. You know, the last relapse, I think it was, well, it was, it's not like a relapse where you got three, days, three weeks on a binge or something. It's like two days where I just fucking go off for it. Just sitting, sitting in a hotel room, get pissed, watch a movie. And then two days later, I'll just fucking start drinking water again. So I think it was about uh, five weeks ago, six weeks, I had a two-day bend on, and I just stopped. I thought, you know, I can't be bothered with this. Yeah. I just got bored with it. Mm. I I didn't need to be fair. But being around people drinking doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah. That doesn't bother us. I'd rather people drink in front of us than hate it because it makes me think more about it, why they're hating it. Right. Just fucking get it out. Mm. Yeah, or if they don't. If they're like, if I know they want a drink and they don't get one because I'm there, I go and get them a drink. Yeah. And say, yeah, there's a couple of fucking cocktails. Listen, don't worry about it. Because if I want a drink, I just fucking go and get one. So don't worry, I don't want one. So just fucking, oh, cheers, Paul. Next thing I'm going to fucking know. Like, are you sure you don't want a drink, Paul? Fuck off, I'm off home now. <laughs> yeah, there's brothers. Mm. You know, because like, I'm one of them. If I want a drink, I just fucking go and get one. Yeah. It's just something. But it's not the drink. It's the consequences afterwards. What normally happens? Well, I lose work. Yeah. The press hammers or what's it called? I get stick. Or other people, yeah, people say, look at the fucking state of him. So, yeah, more than like that. But the press didn't break read anything because of the injunction. On. It's just, no, it's just the consequences. It's just like, you know, I'd end up just not turning up for a job. So if I've got five jobs and I turn down the first one because I'm pissed, and the other four jobs, let's cancel it. So yeah. he's not going to fucking make it. We'll cancel it. Fuck it. So there's a consequence like that. Yeah. No, so now I'm busy now. Got quite a bit on. This one, I'm fucking, I don't know why I'm doing it, but it's fucking, well, I've got five weeks off. I'm going to do some fly fish, a bit of golf, and then I've got six venues in that on September, then October and November. But I'm going to do this thing. Well, I've had already I did the interview with pastors. I had to do with mental disorder, not mental stuff, the psychiatrist, no, psychologist test, personal lap. It's fucking eight days in the dock with eight celebrities. Me and eight days living in, it's called in the dock. So you've got to live in the dock for eight days. But people, I'm more worried for them than I am for you. I know, fucking <laughs> hell. But there's what's it called? It'll be shown on TV live. So you used to be able to see because of the um, ultralight, ultraviolet light, but we can't see it. But you can see us, but we can't see I don't even know who's next to us. It was eight days in the dock. No light, but a fuck all. And then you have to do challenges in the dock. <laughs> so he says, what happens? And the guy went, it was funny, he says, what happens if someone's next to you? But, and you know, he's giving that fucking to you. I says, I don't know. I says, I wouldn't see it anyway. I'm in the fucking dock. I says, I'm more worried about what happens when I go for a shit. And it was in the dock. He went, you should try to find somewhere. I says, okay then. <laughs> so yes, eight days, that's going to be some challenge. Up. Wow. And that's in September, that. So everyone back home can see is what we're doing, but we can't see what results. I wouldn't even know who's one yard away from us or nothing. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Kid is happy with what she's fucking getting out of it anyway, put it that way. Gazza, back in the day, did the media scare you? No, not once. No? No, I just Did you not have death threats or anything like that? No, no, no one whatsoever. I just they um like said, the media, if I did something wrong and they wrote uh, I did something, I accept that. It's the lies. That's the lies I couldn't handle. You know, I think, why do they have to fucking lie? If they want to know something, fucking come and see us. I'll fucking tell them. I've got nothing to hide. And I put everything in my book anyway. Yeah. And I had the cocaine I took years ago, 18 years ago, whatever. Um, fucking morphine tablets, fucking the drink, the rehabs, the fucking jail. I, I put everything in the fucking book. So, you know, why do they have to write lies? So, so, so the public don't even know everything. So, so but the, the press never... Never bothers. I mean, I've just did this thing for uh, this other documentary, and there's um, it's for the Italian thing interview thing. Um, I did this interviews and that, and I did a bit on the beach. We're playing football with these little ten year olds, and then went to this big fucking building, and I'm thinking, what the fuck is that they're putting down there? And there was about two hundred back pages of all. Quality stuff on me. Gaza's a fucking brilliant player. Gaza's the best player in the world. Pelly, Gaza big captain. Just all around us. I was looking at everyone, I got quite emotional. I went, the fuck do you do this for? They went, it's took us ages to do all this, waiting for you coming. And I went, wow. And so and I thought, fucking years passing, he could have been a better player. I couldn't have been any better than I was. Mm. And looking at all them headlines, I thought, fucking hell, the press thought I, I could. I didn't fulfil my potential. I went, fucking, yeah, all right. <laughs> that bastards. <laughs> Gaza, you had a 250,000 contract with The Sun after Italia 90. Um, looking back, was that a good deal for you or they bought you? I think um, someone from The Sun said they're buying your body and soul and milking you. How did that all feel? I didn't bother us. No? You know, I'd be getting that much money but. I, I think I'd turned down and venture turned the deal down, but the, I mean, the lies I've wrote, I've, I've been in court, I've won 15 times against the Daily Star, I've won against the Mail, and then I'll just news the world, they, had, they were hacking my phone for six years, so I won about 80,000, and then I knew I was getting hacked, because I, I knew by my own fucking... How did you know? Because they experienced it from the first time. Like, I'd call you up, Right, I'd, right, I'd call you up, hi, how we doing? Bang, we'll get cut off, right? And then so now they know they've got your number, my number, they're ready now recording. Next time I call you, it's perfect, they're recording. So I know that, and then if I text you, I'll, see you in a, I'll call you in a minute, boom, 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 send the text, it'll go so far, it won't go through to you. They've written down the, pe- the text, i text you again, it'll go perfect. So, we've got, so I knew. Wow. So, so new then, the Sunday Mirror, but uh, 12 years with them. So this happened twice, the phone hacking, not yeah, just yeah, the first time? three times. Sure. That was 12 years, and I, I knew I rang up with the, the police. I said, fucking check me phone, I'm getting hacked again. It was the son, 12 years. So they've just paid us 870,000. Wow. Nearly a million damages. Yeah. So that's all right. So I'm fucking just relaxed a little bit now. <laughs> The fuck, I don't want to do these venues, but I thought, okay, they're laughing. So then go and get yourself a place now. 
I says, okay, my mum, go and buy yourself a house. I says, mum, I don't know where I want to live at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, so. So now you've got injunctions as well on some of them. Yeah, all of them. Really? Yeah, they can't write anything bad or press. Well, I'll just take them to court straight away within seconds. Now I've got the top lawyers, that, you know, so it's like, and I was going no fee, no win, because I'm going to win anyway. So yeah. it doesn't cost me, it cost them a lot of money. So you give us 700 and I just put that in the bank and just looked after the family a little bit. Yeah. And then just, uh, just waiting for the other 170 or whatever. But it doesn't bother us. Like, I just, like, if I'm getting paid that much, then fucking hack me as much as the fucking <laughs> one. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Back is every fucking day if they want. <laughs> so, Paul, you've earned a lot of money in your life. Yeah. And sounds like you've given a lot to your family and sounds like at times you've, probably spent a lot so what have you learned about managing money oh yeah there's i'm just trying to write down i write down everything you know i'm trying to eventually i just thought i can do things on my own but now i've got like a top lawyer i've got a top accountant i've got katie who's uh, really good at what she does now so she's your manager I, is she? yeah yeah, yeah. Me, me agent me manager so i've just got me sure i've got good people on board now you know where yeah. i just thought i could do it myself so i've got them on board I've got like if I want to invest stuff, I've got people prepared to ready to invest anything I want to I want to do. And I thought at the moment I'm okay. Yeah, just let me do what I'm doing and enjoy myself for a little bit now. You know, for for fucking getting hacked and stuff like that. Yeah, so I said that money. I'll just leave it where it is at the moment. I'm just gonna just fucking enjoy myself. Yeah, you know. So that's that's what I've done. Mm. There's plenty of this work coming up, and then. I'm fucking this thing in the dock. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll fucking do it. I had to do psychiatrist. This psychologist says, he went, you passed everything. He went, but I've heard you were scared of the dark. I says, yeah, I was when I was seven. I says, I sleep with the light on. He says, what changed then? And when I'm fucking 55, that's what fucking changed, mate. I don't need the fucking light on anymore. He started laughing his head off. He says, I think you'd be all right in there. Yeah. He says, what happens if you do you don't like somebody in there. I said, oh, I don't know who's in there. It's a fucking in the dock. You went, yeah, I never thought about that. I said, so fucking hell. I said, I don't give a fuck. I said, I'll be in there. I said, I'll help anyone they want. Yeah. I said, anyway, if I get bored, I'll just start talking to myself, just wind them up. And he says, um, he says what happens if someone gets on your nerves? I said, what I do is I just stare at the forehead. He says, why is that? And I said, I don't say anything. I just keep staring at the forehead and just think, ah. Oh, he got a bandage around his head and he's not well. Say a prayer for him. He went, that's a good idea, that. He says, good idea. He says, I'm going to ring up and say, yeah, you're ready for the show. So fucking, I went, yeah, but I didn't realise fucking, I'm doing this, like, what we're doing over the phone, like this in the kitchen of the lodge. And outside is my fucking sister, a boyfriend, we were talking about, Katie, got the windows open. Yeah, and listen to everything I'm saying. Oh, fucking crying, crying, laughing. <laughs> you know. I said, Yeah, I did get sectioned once. That was 18 years ago for 11 days. He said, What was, what was that, that like? for? Cocaine. That was all right. Didn't take any right. medication. Yeah, yeah. Really? I just needed it. I was, I was fucking, fucking daft on that cocaine 18 years ago. So I just fucking put me in the nut house for 11 days. And then after 11 days, I said, Okay, Paul, you went. Didn't take any tablets, just fucking took loads of water, detox, and never touched it since. I went, yeah. fuck that. So, you know, it's only just the, the drinking that, but 
Yeah, and, and he went, wow. He said, fucking hell, you've been through a lot. I went, yeah, sort of. I said, that's been no, I said, anything I do wrong has been wrong doing. No one, I don't blame anybody. I just said, fucking blame. If a fucking flower died, I'd drink on it and blame the flower for fucking dying. If a bulb didn't work, I'd drink on and blame the fucking bulb. You know, I'd blame anyone. But now I don't blame anyone, you know. If I blame myself, if anything bad happens or whatever, I blame myself. You know, I don't fucking use anybody's excuse. But I'm enjoying life at the moment, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I get I get down a little bit. What makes you what makes you down? Just just um what's it called sometimes if I want to go somewhere, something will be difficult. Or just I think missing football. Um, that gets us down a little bit. Or if, like, um, you get someone to say you're going to do something, you get prepared for it, and then all of a sudden it gets cancelled. Not that I've done anything, it's just them, or we've had to do something, or this, like, the COVID thing. It's okay, I got, it got me down a little because I missed out on loads of work, but then I kept on thinking, hold on, Paul, you've got money, you're fucking fortunate. Think of the fucking families, single parents with three kids, not meeting a penny. And I thought, that oh, that's good. So I fucking, I went on TV and I fucking caned Boris Johnson. <laughs> and they couldn't put it on. There's a cat ah, that didn't put it on TV. No? Ah, I caned him. You fat bastard. What the fuck are you doing? I caned him. Because, and I remember the last time I was with him, I was sitting next to him. What then, did you say about him? I was just saying, what are you doing to our country? You fat fuck, sort it out. So he's the fucking next thing. You're fucking COVID to this, COVID that. I says, I'm fucking, I says, um, start fucking all these people that haven't got any money and they can't go to work in COVID and you're fucking, you're, it's okay for you getting a lift into fucking 10 Downing Street, having a nice little party there and what, what you fucking want to do with that. He didn't have fucking COVID, did he fucking? I just caned him. And so they, they went, oh, can I put that on TV? So they just cancel it. Wow. I went, okay, no problem. But I did sit in a charity match once. You come on for the last 10 minutes while playing Germany, Charlie game, and you sit next to the dressing room and went, my God, how would you fucking last 90 minutes? I went, I have to train, but it's hard for six weeks to catch 90 minutes, not sitting fucking 10 down the street, fucking eating cakes by the fucking looks of it. He went, yeah, I never thought about that. I'm a rugby player anyway. And that was it. Fucking just, you got to have show and fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, two main questions and then we'll move into a quick fire. And the quick fire you can just ask, answer nice and short because yeah. I know we're nearly at time. Yeah. So your dad, I understand, was away a lot when you were younger. He used to, used to go away and he also didn't come to that many of your games. What was your relationship with your dad and oh, how was it growing couldn't up? couldn't get any closer. Yeah. Yeah, I did everything. right. Even when I went for a walk, I'd like fucking... He come to Bournemouth to see you for, he said, I'll come see you for a couple of weeks. I went, okay, Dad, fucking six months later. Dad, when are you going to go back home? Ah, I'll be all right, son. But then he, he did, I don't know, he just didn't, he, I think he suffered a little, like myself, from a uh, claustrophobic. And he didn't like lifts and that. And I think being around a lot of people. But and, um, when, I, when I went to Italy, he wasn't fucking daft. He says, I'm coming to Italy for a couple of weeks. So I says, yeah, okay, Dad, no problem. Fucking hell. Then two years later, Dad, 
Um, are you alright? He says, I fucking loved it. He says, I'm coming to the game as well. So he saw coming to the game at Lazio because I had security and that. And it was okay. Um, yeah, but because there was no work, my dad worked abroad. It's like, you know, off with his bed. He was a hot carrier, my dad. So right. he worked abroad in Germany. And he used to send back me, my mum and money and that. And then when I was seven, he come back home and he said, I've got a present for you. And he gives me first leather football. Wow. And that's when I fucking start dribbling everywhere with it, you know? Mm. So, but yeah, he worked so hard. And then obviously he fucking, he was one of the hardest men in Newcastle. I think he used to headbutt everyone. And he ended up with fucking, looking enough, I was off school. And mm, I just, yeah, my mum thing, Paul, quick, quick. I don't know what my dad's eyes were rolling. So we put your fingers in his mouth quick and I put my fucking finger look at one still bent now. Stop him for so long he's told me I had a brain tumour. So he was in the hospital for eight months. And so they opened him up and that and he used to have these bad turns and I always be next to him. But then I'd, I went everywhere with him. I, I, I must have bought him 80 cars, fucking three boats, fucking mobile homes, fucking everything. Fucking jewelry. He's got it my watches. Fuck knows. I remember once... He's laughing. He says, I'm coming to the game. He says, yeah, fuck it, I know too fucking right you are. He knew, I just bought this, there's only three in the country, I bought this new fucking Mercedes soft top, 230, and this new fucking watch with 70 grand. And I showed him it and that. And so, he says, what are you not drinking for, son? I said, nah, I'm having a drink, Dad, I'm all right. He says, get yourself a whiskey, man. And then I says, no, he said, Dad. He says, go on. So I'm having a whiskey with Dad. He says, get yourself another one. I said, right, Dad, I'm fucking going to bed now. He says, all right, son, sleep well. Cheers. I look up and I wake up and I look and I just see me fucking watch is gone. I went, bastard. <laughs> so he's fucking got me watch. <laughs> so I went, oh, fuck, no, please. And I just went and looked, opened the curtains of the car park. No car. <laughs> he's fucked off of both of them. Just took him. Yeah, just took him. I just let him in. <laughs> fucking bastard. He went, fuck me, Dad. You got me watch and me fucking car. It went the main now. You shouldn't have had a drink. I said, you fucking give us a drink. He went, well, it had to be done, didn't it? I says, what you do with the car? He says, I made sell it. So he used to buy cars, sell them, buy a second hand one and keep, keep, put the rest of the money in the bank. You wow. Be 40 me watches. Fucking hell, he's fucking, I love him. Yeah, I did everything with my dad. Yeah. So when I go home in Newcastle, he's just going to stay in his, his spare room and that. Yeah. And just sit with him, put his bets on. Saturday, I fucking miss him more than anything. Yeah, Saturday, I miss him more than anything. Mm. When he was dying, I quickly left Edmonton. I was living, getting home quickly. And um, told me family to leave his dish for me and my dad. And he was like, and he just stayed alive for me. And I remember just looking like that and fucking breathing. And I just said, Father God, two seconds, I'll save him or fucking let him die. And two minutes later, he died. He died. So I jumped in bed next to him, gave him a couple of punches in the fucking face. I went, remember when I was young, your dad used to give me a little whack? Fucking there's a couple of whack. And then stuck the head button on a little one for a laugh and just fucking lied next to him for 45 now and then rang me family at six o'clock and went, right, he's, he's gone. And then they put him in this police chapel thing where he's thinking, I went, no, 
and I'm fucking putting them in the chopper, take them fucking out there, get them in the coffin, do them up, and fucking get them home. I'm going to stay with them. So I just I stayed with them for three days. So weird as well, because I left the coffin door open for them, and I played these songs that I used to like. And I went upstairs, I thought, right, and just tied up his room and that, because um, obviously he passed away. And at the end of the bed, you have one of these puffy things, and he's wash bag and that, but it was there in the bag. And I was fucking in the cupboard and just went, whoosh, moved about two foot off this thing, flung, and I went, fuck off, Dad, will you? So I went to bed and I said, fucking, I could hear noises. And I think, fuck me, he's hanging about somewhere. And I'd go back down and make sure he's still in the coffin. And I think, fucking hell. Yeah, so it was, yeah, and then that's it. And then eventually I said to the family, like, you come around and see him. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Because all my family live in the same street next door to each other. I bought them all a house next door to each other. So I fucking remember when I'm I'm in trouble, I get it from all them. And I know anyway I'm fucked. Because as soon as I go and I see my dad's curtains shut, that's it. I look across, sister's curtains shut, mom's shut, brother's shut, other sister's shut. I went, they must have knew I was coming. <laughs> Fuck it. Taxi, please. Take us back to fucking Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very close to me, Dad. Yeah. Took him everywhere. Everywhere. I understand you had a, a friend called Stephen when you were young and he was killed in front of you and died in your arms. Yeah. That, how did that affect you? Bradley. Well, yeah, I went in, I'm one to see psychiatrists when I was telling you, he got hit, we ran outside, he ran in front of the ice cream van, he got hit. And the fucking taxi driver stayed in the fucking car and I ran down. And just died in my lap. So I thought he was still alive because his lips moved, but that was his last movement. And it's just 20 minutes waiting for someone to fucking turn up with his dead body. And then I was sleeping in the fucking same room as the coffin now. So I I had, um, and it was stupid habits. Like, mm-hmm. and then there weren't twitches and fucking end up with loads of twitches and that. Then eventually, as I got older and that, and then eventually went away, you know, but, um, yeah, my mum went to see psychiatrists, but I just thought, oh, it's okay. And then I did a letter to him and said, I'm sorry, whatever happened, you know, and that. So then I felt better. And then I seen psychiatrist, me to talk to him in empty chairs, if it was Stephen. I miss his son and up. So, so it eventually got better and better, you know. But mm-hmm. it was just twitches. I ended up with fucking all these stupid twitches, making noises and everything. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Long enough, the football kept us going yeah. away from that. But yeah, it was just the twitches more than anything else. Yeah. You know? Are you ready for the quick fire round? Yeah. Let's do it. Are you a confident person? Yeah. Out of 100%, what's your percent of confidence? Um, it all depends what I'm doing. If it's sport, I'm 110%. If it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I did the, do the weakest thing. You know, I got beaten in the final, but... On the confidence level, I like to think I'm right up there mm. near the top. Are you a rebel? Yeah, <laughs> fucking more than a rebel. <laughs> Definitely, that's one hundred percent rebel. <laughs> and why? Just love being in trouble. <laughs> I like getting in trouble. I fucking long as I'm all right at the end of the day. But I don't know. I just I get bored so quickly. And if I like think of something, and I'm, I'm going to do that. And I might have a couple of drinks and I'll go and do it. Mm. And then I wake up in the morning and I went, fuck me, I just did that. <laughs> and I know because I just checked my mobile and I got 100 texts or 100 missed calls. What the fuck are you doing? 
What did I do? So, yeah, I'm 100% rebel. Are you misunderstood? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but well misunderstood. Because people, I don't give the chance for people to really know me. There's people like my family know me. Katie knows us obviously more than anything. Um, not many people really get to know me because um, I, I don't give too much away. What do people mostly misunderstand about you? Um, probably that I can be emotional and I don't show it sometimes. You know, as men, we say, we think we can conquer everything or frankly say no, you know, mm. or, or help. I've learned to say, listen, I need help regards anything, you know. I need help. Can you help us? Um, whatever to do with this or something like that, you know. Yeah. Do you trust anyone? Not really. I think it's, I think it's because I don't trust myself. <laughs> like, I want to go on holiday. I've got five weeks off and I want to go on holiday, but I can't, I just don't trust myself because I don't know if I make it back. So I'm thinking, shit, I want to go away. Uh, I'm bad, I can get my license back, but I don't, I dare not, I dare not get my license because I, I don't trust myself in case I have a drink and again, I'm getting in the car and I'm killing myself or killing somebody else. So, yeah, I think once I start, if I trust myself more, and then I'll trust other people. You know, it's like, I love myself and that's why I love everybody. So I trust, once I trust myself a little bit more, then I can trust other people. <laughs> You said once you'd occasionally have a brandy before a match. Did that really help? No, it, was a, it wasn't. It was, a, it was in the cup fight for Glasgow Rangers. And in the first half, I wasn't playing very well. And the coach went, have you had a drink? I went, no. She's going to get one. I went, fucking okay. See you in a minute, lads. And I went in, went in the director's box and got nine brandies. Went back in the dressing room. All the lads were laughing. And the guy went, have you had a drink now? I says, yeah. I had a few brandies. He went, go out and fucking do the business. I went, oh, okay, then come on, lads. I scored two. Got man the match. <laughs> fucking won the epic. That was it. They went, fucking, right, we're all going out tonight, Paul. Fucking, thanks very much for the two goals. You're going home. You've already had your fucking drink. I went, bastards. <laughs> but now it's just that, it was that cup fame. That was the only one. Yeah. Mm. Do you like being on your own? I hate it. Yeah, so it all depends. If I get... Pressed a lot, walking down the streets and that. So, so sometimes it's nice just to sit indoors, watch a movie, you know, to, so I'll make a nice sandwich and that. Um, I don't really like it as much, but then I get sometimes worn out. I get bored so quickly, but if I'm watching a movie, then, then people get worried. Say, why are you not coming out? I said, because I've just got pestered for the last fucking three hours. I'm just going to watch a movie. I'll be maybe later. So a lot of people don't worry about it. That's okay. I don't blame you. <laughs> Why is it you don't like being on your own? Um, I think too much. When I'm thinking, I call it stinking thinking. You know, I think of the wrong things. Or I think, all right, I'm going to do this. I want to do that. And I think too much. If I'm with people, then I don't think as much. And which is I'm, I'm okay then, you know. Mm. Jane nodded your ex-PA. She said this of you, a prodigious talent with a tendency towards self-destruction. What do you think about that? It was disgusting. She used me. She was a fucking dead. She wasn't even my fucking manager. She was only there to be a translator, not knowing she was writing a book behind me back. Mm. Uh, Two-Faced Cow. And, uh, yeah, that book, she was, it was just lies. And to be fair, when I was with her, she was two-faced. 
but she was not me agent or nothing like that. She was just there to translate for me, and it wasn't me that even what's called it was me agent ex agent who employed her to work for us, and then not knowing every day she was writing down everything. Mm. <coughs> but it, things like that used to bother us. It doesn't bother us now, you know. When when I say talking about it, I say, "Oh, good luck." I just I wish I wish them well. I say a prayer for them. Yeah. What would you say was the best and worst stage of your football career? I think the best was making me debut for Newcastle. I always wanted to score in front of the 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 um, Gallagher end, which I did. The worst has got to be definitely um, the the FA Cup final. You know, when I fucking did that injury, I'd fucking just destroy it because I was playing the best football ever. I couldn't do a foot wrong. I was I was beating players for fun, could beat players playing for get man a match and then I do that do that tackle and then being out for a year was worse. But I worked hard for it, but that it was that uh, that injury. That was probably the worst. Mm. Do you want to just let them in? Yeah, we're 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 about less than a minute away. Um what's your biggest success? Um losing me with Dindy. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest failure? No, yeah, no, success was my biggest failure. Well, do your success first. Yeah, losing my virginity probably. That's a fucking tiger. Is, uh, look at that. There's looking seriously. There's the, the tiger. Oh, it's a cat. That's not a cat. That's a cat. Is it? It's a big cat. Okay, no. It's a house cat. I thought I thought you were going to pull some prank on okay, me. No, no, I thought you were planning. Um, <laughs> what's the what failure? Yeah, what's your biggest success and your biggest failure? Success is like making me debut to nothing, and especially successful uh, making what I wanted to use play for my country, England. The biggest failure is, um, I think it was, um, it's got to be that injury. And obviously the biggest failure was like, Taking that cocaine 18 years ago, um, and I became psychotic. It was mm. horrible. I thought um, I wanted to die, to be fair. Luckily enough, them 11 days just talking to the counsellors and that pulled us around and never touched the thing. So that was a horrible feeling. Mm. What's the biggest risk you ever took? Sorry, I'll do that again. What's the biggest risk you ever took? <laughs> I've took loads. You know, risks. <laughs> Where do I start? The uh, biggest risk, well, I. I remember the, um, the chairman of Middlesbrough bought us a new team bus, £400,000, and just left the garage and it's got Middlesbrough Football Club on the bus, Sky, ready, brand new. We'd only left the garage and I got excited. And so I told the driver, the manager wants to see you. So he went, OK, and he left the keys in the bus. I jumped in it and I thought, I'm taking this bastard into town. Didn't manage to get very far. I fucking fell into the ditch. And fucking, I'm on the side, the bushes on the side, the branch was filled with the fucking wind and everything. <laughs> and 400 grand had just left the garage. It was a brand new team bus for us. And I remember thinking, fuck, I'm in trouble. The Brian Robson goes, ah, well, where's the fucking bus? <laughs> I went, it's in the woods with the three bears, cover. I think I fucking damaged it. I fucking had to get a new bus. <laughs> yeah, fucking that was it. Fucking actually, expensive fucking bus ride. I think it cost us forty-seven grand or something to get it fixed. <laughs> What's your biggest regret? Biggest regret? 
There's quite a lot of quakery. The biggest regret is probably, I think it was like that, taking the cocaine and let my family down and myself down more than anything else. And the people that around us that loved us, you know, but I, I stopped doing that. Um, I've had quite a few regrets, but it was in my own room, but I try and like put them behind us, you know. Mm. If anyone watching or listening is struggling with their own maybe addictions or demons, what advice would you give them having overcome many of yours? Yeah, I've come over so much. I mean, you know, um, I would just, um, don't be scared to ask for help because it's only fucking, a lot of, pe- a lot of people like us or other people end up drinking or whatever or take because we find it so difficult to say no. Where someone say, like my sister, She's got more foot than a fucking double-decker bus. Say, oh, Lindsay, Anna, can you do this? No. You think nothing of it, and I think, God, I wish I could do that. So, you know, a lot of addicts like that. So, But the main one is just, you know, don't be scared to ask for help. I'm not, no. It doesn't bother me. If I need fucking help on something, I do. I say, oh, I think I need a bit of help, yeah. Can you help us? Where, what? I need to go somewhere. Would you mind taking us? Mm. Okay. Well, I just think I can do it on my own, but sometimes I need someone there just to help us, just in case out goes wrong, so I ain't scared to ask for help. Yeah. So, what are you doing now and in the future? What does Gazza do with himself nowadays? Yeah, well, this, I mean, you've got these venues, which is good. And As in people come and talk to you live and do Q&As? And- no, I don't do great. I don't have my own script. Right. I do the selfies and that, and I do autographs, and then... I go on stage and then afterwards I'll, I'll speak for an hour and then I'll let them ask us some questions, maybe just 10 or something like that. Yeah. And I've got a lot of that on. Then I've got this documentary coming up. I've got maybe next year someone to do a movie about my life. I think um, Sean Bean wanted to play me, but I think the, I think the guy that's going to play me is a guy from Game of Thrones. Don't know his name. So the story about my life. Um, a movie it's going to be in the cinema wow so yeah um, and then I've got one uh, another book deal and then I've got this document in the dark thing I can hell that's going to be some challenge um, so I've got quite a bit on yeah you know all I've just got to do is just enjoy the work ahead of us you know mm. and I make the most of like when I've got time off enjoy it instead of like just sitting in the fucking bedroom just watching TV and not go out and enjoy myself you know yeah and the, your autobiography, what's it called? And let's get everyone to go and read it. You've written already one book about your life. Yeah, you? yeah the, my life, you know. As a, Is that what it's called, my life? Yeah, Gaza, my life. Yeah. And read it because it's got everything in there, you know, and how I got overcome this. Or oh, the other one, being Ga- that was the first one, being Gaza. The other one's called To Hell and Back. And that was fucking odd. I remember the book writer coming in. It was so funny. I said, where the fuck have you been? Gaza said, where the fuck have you been? I said, are you fucking writing that down? He's now getting angry saying, are you fucking writing that down? I said, you fucking wake me up. He said, am I fucking wake me up? That's a book. Everything I said, um, yeah, it took eight months, three, three times a week, eight months. And I went, he says, uh, everything I fucking said to him, he put in a fucking book and I went, go on, fuck off, I had enough now. Because I said, fuck off, he's had enough now. I says, right then, so at the end of this book, I says, right, he's all on my story now, 
Now go and fuck off. Because I said, he's all read my story now. Go and fuck off. And that's the end of it. I went, fuck <laughs> me, he's put everything in. He's holding you fucking put everything in. He went, well, that's you, isn't it? Well, the hell and back. I went, yeah, I'm all right now. Cheers. Yeah, that's a good one. Gaz, I just want to say this has been so much fun. Thanks a lot for giving us all your time. Very grateful. Oh, pleasure, man. Thank you. Nice to meet you, pal, as well. You too.